Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Hello, everybody, to the latest episode of our podcast series. Today, we're talking about the AMS meeting. Um, the last event uh, was the 101st in its series and the first one, which was held completely virtually due to the pandemic, of course. We have three guests today that attended uh, this new kind of event. Um, I welcome you and thank you for joining. It's uh, Victor Casella. Hello, Martin. Thank you. It's uh, Sasha Ivans. Hello, Martin. And Teddy Soto. Hello, Martin. Hi. So you're all uh, in different roles at our company at Odd Hydromet. You were um, attending the AMS. And yeah, for, for just to start, I wanted to know what was your experience to join this meeting virtually? Victor, maybe you can start. You're, you have attended the AMS a couple of times before. Yeah, I have attended the AMS uh, for over almost 40 years now uh, since I was a student and the last 15 years as a uh, vendor exhibitor. And um, this year was different, but we still had good contact with our customers. We had some really good conversations. And for the first time, we actually presented several papers, posters, and had a session with our salometer. How can I imagine that presenting a poster? So it's like a presentation with Skype or Zoom? Yes, the, uh, the AMS had a platform where we preloaded uh, our materials. And then during our allocated time, we made ourselves available. And the, I guess the walkers or the people that are sitting behind their computer desk would uh, be able to hit the chat function or the video function and talk to us live during the allocated time of our poster. That sounds interesting, but how did it work? In you know, it, it, it's a learning process. We had several people contact us through the chat function. There was some delays, but we were able to talk about the particular poster and then also uh, give our business cards to each other so we can follow up uh, on just say a more personal level after the meeting was over. There was a lot of content at the AMS and, you know, with this content, everybody, you know, the people that were viewing these posters wanted to get as much Uh, uh, information from other scientists and other presenters. So, you know, even if it was only uh, one or two minutes each, um, it was it was a good conversation. I heard that more than 5,200 people attended to normal to 3,000 in ordinary years, which shows that there was really a high interest in this first virtual AMS meeting. Um, and On the first day, um, the servers had quite a problem, right? Yeah, there was a couple of glitches. Uh, 
as they weren't expecting everybody to log on at the same time. I think in every aspect in this virtual world, uh, the first day always seen this issue and the AMS corrected it quickly by adding a lot more servers and they were very open and honest with us uh, to let us know about these glitches. But it was fantastic to see this many uh, attendees and the reason for it is most universities allow only a certain they have a budget for travel and not every student can go to the the meetings being held virtually it allowed the access for the students professors and people of interest in meteorology to attend the ams sasha ivans you were Uh, you were there for the first time for Autohydromet, um, but you visited a lot of uh, events in the, in the past. So what was your impression about that? Yes, this was my first AMS uh, to start with, to, to attend, right? Um, but uh, I attended uh, many other shows uh, live uh, when they were going live. Uh, however, this uh, actually year, since I started the Todd Hydromet, um, I was able to attend virtually AGU meeting or American Geophysical Union meeting uh, last December. And um, I was kind of comparing the the experience from uh, AGU and AMS, and they are very similar experiences. At AGU, I was just regular attendee. I wasn't uh, an exhibitor attendee because we did not have the, the booth there. We did have it at the AMS. Um, but from um, just uh, attending the, the shows, um, I think, uh, like Victor said and you, Martin, said, it was quite a few bumps uh, on the road, uh, especially on the first day. And all of us kind of are learning this online experience. So that took some time to get more familiar or familiar with what is there and how you can use this tool. But once uh, you kind of figure that out, then uh, it was actually pretty neat to jump Uh, around and uh, quickly uh, see the the content of, of sessions and decide if you want to join or not. So even though it was bumpy, I think it's going to be really um, uh, beneficial to community to keep some form of the online presence on the future meetings. I don't think that this online presence presence will really go away when we start again going live, uh, which I would prefer as everybody else, I believe, in our group here, because the live meetings are different than these online meetings, especially for us exhibitors, because it's much more interaction with people and it's just different feeling to it. But for from the scientific point of view and um, approachability of the Uh, content that's there. I think this online format will probably stay around. That's a very interesting conclusion. So we've learned that um, the pandemic is really ha really has an impact on the way we communicate within the industry and the scientific community. Um, but when we talk about the content that was um, shared over there, the topics that were discussed. What are your impressions? What um, what are the trends this year? Yeah, the science never stops, right? And that's a great thing. Um, so um, this year, um, I was, uh, and that was my little bit uh, 
focus on on what I was doing before I joined joined Art Hydromet was in this Greece greenhouse uh, uh, effects and uh, land uh, atmosphere interaction uh, communities and I was kind of hanging more around those people and got some really interesting uh, questions there uh, because there is still some lack uh, of instrumentation that these people are looking for um, especially for uh, very specific gas gases that uh, need to be addressed in the green uh, in the uh, uh, greenhouse uh, gas emissions right like nitrous oxide so we have to 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 look all together for the best possible solutions uh, to get the correct tools to our uh, customers and the scientists so they can do these measurements. So uh, the science is, is, is great and it's uh, really uh, moving uh, forward in some areas uh, fast forward. We just all need to make sure that we have good tools to provide them uh, all with good tools and systems so they can do their job. When it comes to new tools, uh, I think the right guest to talk to is Teddy Soto, who is our application development manager. Teddy, from your point of view, what is uh, your le the learning, the main learning you take from this AMS event? Hi, Martin. I, I first of all, I, I second the comments of my uh, colleagues, and uh, one of the main points that I saw on trends is that people are in in are looking for uh, a one-stop shop. Okay, the one to 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 get a manufacturer or a company that can offer different applications and instruments to cover all the scientific needs. And I think that was the message was really well received. And um, also, we had around uh, 900 people that visited our, our virtual booth. And I think that was the point that they were stressing, that they're looking uh, um, to do that in the in the future. So what were the discussions like around that? So you're now for Autodromet, uh, speaking for, for Autodromet. Um, what, what is relevant to, to a customer when, when he attends you? Yes, the, the relevant for the customer is to... Uh, have one company um, be the one that provides the, the equipment, uh, also provide the services, and also provide the warranty for the systems. And so that is really, really good for them to and, and put them at, at ease that they don't have to interface with different uh, vendors and companies. And for them, it's a nightmare to do that. Um, once they have one point of contact uh, and one company, it eases their 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 uh, uh, their mindset and actually um, makes them uh, is a rest that they could have a, a company that is going to be behind their products uh, 24/7 365 days uh, a year do you think that the pandemic and the the difficulty in traveling around the world is accelerating this trend I think it is. I think it is because now they can only interface with one company and, and get all the, the information and needs instead of have, having to, to fly around the world and, and visit different companies and get different uh, um, observations. This way, they, they can actually concentrate and do it once in one point, in one shot. So this is a very interesting trend. Um, now we are on the exhibitor side and we're getting all the questions from, from the customers and the, the students that attended um, the AMS. So what do you bring to the discussion from, from a company's point of view when it comes to being a one-stop solution? 
for this particular AMS and as a one company solution, what we had was what's really popular now are mesonets, where each state or local mesonets where a university would develop it, they're going to put in a weather station, a monitoring station with communications. So they can come to a odd hydromat, they come to us, and we manufacture the wind sensors, we manufacture the temperature RH probes, we manufacture the pyranometers, and we also manufacture precipitation sensors. And we could put all that together with our manufactured data loggers and enclosures. And we can, we can give our end users multiple options for an entry level to a scientific monitoring station. And mesonets are getting more popular as the need for environmental data um, to the general public, whether it's for just normal transportation, um, vacationing, uh, sporting events, or emergency response. Uh, we've seen tons of crazy weather in 2020 um, with forest fires, heat waves, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, and this is where we come into play with our full product line. What is a mesonet? Could you briefly define that for our listeners? It's mesonet uh, is a the National Weather Service has a full operating network of meteorological stations, and you can gather all that data across the whole country, all North America and South America, uh, and they report the data once an hour to the general public. The mesonet is a breakdown into a smaller area. Um, just for instance, here in New York State, they compiled 144 stations just in New York State on its own network reporting back to the University at Albany. Um, Oklahoma mesonet, same thing. The entire state will go back, and we see it now in Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, um, and other states are starting to come in. And or they could be even smaller, where it'd be down to the only like the county itself into a localized uh, network of meteorological stations. So is this an open cloud-based network? Yes, uh, some of it is open and it's out for um, you know the general public to see. But then there's other aspects of it where they're taking scientific data, where they would sell this data to agencies and they would get a, a bigger platform of uh, archive data. And this way they can use it for research, emergency response, um, whether they're a power producer uh, and they need to have meteorological uh, data as well. Uh, and, one point, is, yeah. and one other aspect I've seen over the years is um, for the courts and for the, you know, in case there's an issue where somebody's being sued and they need to bring in a uh, the meteorological data, well, whether they're being sued or if there was a car accident or some kind of an incident where they need to bring in meteorological data into a court setting. I will come back to the um to the, to the open data um, protocols later. I know that Sasha had something to add. I just wanted to emphasize a little bit more or uh, elaborate on this one-stop thing that Teddy and Victor touched on, what Odd Hydromed can offer to our customers. I think from uh, 
customer's view, this should be very important thing because uh, uh, we are manufacturers or all, all of these sensors that Victor uh, mentioned, all the, the spectra of the sensors for uh, meteorological applica applications. And because of we are uh, manufacturing these sensors, we can control the quality of them uh, and we can control uh, the uh, how they are distributed to the customers and also we can help them uh, with the maintenance of all of these sensors. Uh, Victor was a very successful developing last year a calibration facility in the United States for many of those, so we don't need to deal anymore with these overseas shipping uh, uh, problems uh, that many other uh, companies face. So we have a lot of advantage to provide customers with total, complete, honest, and affordable customer support. So I think that's something that really people need to think of when uh, you are in this kind of uh, research, uh, uh, meteorological and industrial applications that we can offer. So um, just to explain, you mentioned that we don't have to send them overseas. Uh, overseas means that we're an international company that um, comprises various brands. And one of them is uh, the Kippen Zonen, our solar monitoring um, brand that has its main headquarters in, in Delft in the Netherlands. Um, we also have Luft, the meteorological, main meteorological brand that is sit placed in Germany, in Fellbach, near Stuttgart. And Ott, what is, the, uh, what is giving the name to the whole brand, that is situated in Bavaria, in southern Germany. So just to and there are further uh, brands added to that. And this is what um, our experts mean by a total and... Um, entire solution that we have sensors that range through various kinds of applications. I want to touch based on the importance of, of the data, um, the uh, protocols. Um, when you talk to, to somebody who is collecting data from various sources, maybe from the sensor is from company A and then he has a data logger from company B, how important is that to um, that they really are compatible with each other? Are there any issues that are re reported to you regularly? And what do you to um, avoid these kind of difficulties? Martin, uh, for the most part, uh, when we um, are manufacturing instruments, we make it so they can actually be compatible with the, with the, uh, with every data logger in the market. Okay, so every data logger manufacturer in the market can integrate our sensors. Also, our data loggers are multi-tasking uh, data loggers that can actually interact with different uh, sensors, our sensors, uh, different sensors, and also uh, we can actually simulate different outputs depending on what the customer wants. Uh, uh, they can be configured and they're really open uh, in that sense. It's not a black box. It's actually something that can actually be customized to each individual need of our uh, customers. From your observations, um, I'm asking all of you, because you're sitting in different markets, uh, serving in different markets, is there a trend to a certain type of protocol? So the customers... Uh use our data loggers or any other data loggers and any other sensors and they uh, are very um, 
curious on uh, how to use these systems and mo a lot of them basically just learn a lot of stuff on their own. Uh, so all of these uh, data loggers are getting more and more uh, open to everything, which is great because you can touch uh, a lot of uh, need there that is uh, 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 that is out there. However, uh, with this uh, very uh, open uh, technology comes also a problem with complexity because it's not really easy then to uh, very quickly uh, get this uh, very open tool that you have there configured for your specific application. And that's where I think we have the advantage because some of the software applications that we are developing are making this kind of very open uh, data logger very easily configurable for a particular application. Um, so uh, the customers who are not very, uh, you know, familiar with like programming, uh, that they need to really uh, intensively learn something so they can code the stuff. They can uh, just configure this unit so they can do the the stuff what they what they want to uh, very quickly, and uh, they can get exactly what they want. So we need to still stay uh, stay open. However. Uh, easily configurable so they can use us. So would the others agree that flexibility is getting more and more important for customers in the MET business? Yes, it's very important. Uh, each individual uh, customer has a specific needs and it's important for us to meet those needs. And uh, I think we are the right company because we can actually are flexible enough that we can actually accommodate all the needs that our customers want and deserve. So uh, we're coming now to an, to the end of this discussion. It went really quick. I want to ask you as a last question, um, what kind of expectations you have for, for this year regarding the events that will follow? Do you think that uh, we will hold them virtually uh, as the AMS did? Or are you really looking forward to, to going out and meeting people again? I think after we pass over the next few months, we will have a light at the end of the tunnel. And we, Sasha picked up on this before, we are going to, hopefully we have some kind of a hybrid type of meeting where there's a live event where we can have in-face personal meetings, but also interact virtually um, with uh, the students, the researchers, uh, if needed, who can't make the event. Exactly. So something like a hybrid version. I'll take credit for it right now if that's the way we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I thank you very much for joining this session. I look forward to discussing some of the topics we mentioned shortly in this uh, quick discussion uh, and to expand on that in one of our next episodes. Uh, until then... Have a nice weekend and hear you soon. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Thank Thank you, you Martin. Martin. Let's talk about the weather. 